tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Mystery Robber, Australian UFO, Lost at Sea, and Danny and His Dad. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robbie. And this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. A podcast that I definitely remembered to plug in my microphone this time around. Yep. Um, so you're going by Robbie now. Oh, I go by. I usually go by Robert. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. I, I, getting uh, you know, a hundred and what is this? Two episodes in, getting a little casual with the uh, listeners. I guess. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't don't ever call me that, listeners. Just call me Robert. Robert. Only Crystal gets to call me Robbie. <laughs> or Mr. Burr, if you're nasty. <laughs> uh, so, Crystal, we, we were talking about yeah. work-related stuff. Yeah, you were, uh, you were um, lifting my spirits, or being, or being a sympathetic ear, whatever, <laughs> whatever you decide to go with there, but that's basically what was happening, because I just ha- have had some work weirdness. Always happy to do whatever it is that I did. Um, thank you. No, I really appreciate it. it. Uh, you, you shared some information with me that really put my own stuff in perspective and definitely made me feel like my problems were pretty insignificant in comparison. <laughs> so, oh, good. Good. um, but yeah, we were, we were talking about, you know, every, every time before we record the show, it's a little behind the scenes for the listeners. Uh, we decide, well, what are we going to open with? Do we have a story from this week or something that we want to share? And, um, I, I do have a story focusing on the positive from work is that sometimes, uh, due to the nature of the business that I am now in, which is high level catering in the Los Angeles area, there are instances where wacky celebrity stories happen. And I feel very confident sharing this one because what I'm about to say, this person is not actually a client of ours. And, um, okay. and it is also not an indictment of any celebrities. It's just kooky bananas. So this week <laughs> um, we had a number of very large events coming up. And uh, for anyone who has ever been to a catered event, usually there are a lot of servers or waiters that um, staff these events. And we had an issue where we've been we've been needing a lot of sna- staff for various events it's been kind of stressful and some of our regulars have had other gigs come up but specifically one of our servers emailed us 2 days ago to say she had to drop out of an event this weekend we had her book for because the blue origin rocket launch which had been scheduled uh for the week prior had been moved um, to this week, uh, and she had only gotten a couple hours notice before leaving for, because they launch out of Texas and I guess they staff it with servers from LA. I'm not really sure what the deal is there. Oh, okay. She, she, she was doing, um, catering related. I was like, yes. is she going into space? No, she's not going into space, <laughs> but I, I guess the idea is blue origin in the couple of days leading up to a rocket launch, because it is this premium sort of tourist experience. They hire okay, a lot of yeah. uh, servers and they kind of just give them this this five-star experience of food and all this service and all this other stuff before they go into space, is my understanding. And they do this in Texas. Uh, so our server who's based in yeah. L.A. had been recruited to go participate in that um, last week uh, and found out within a couple hours' notice before she was supposed to leave the airport for that that she was in fact not needed and they had moved the rocket launch to this week. So she would have to cancel with us. Uh, to go attend this Blue Origin situation in Texas. Now, if anyone has been paying attention to the news over the last week, uh, certainly this would fall at the bottom of it, but I guess Pete Davidson, the guy from SNL, who's now dating Kim Kardashian, this is really going to date this podcast too, this specific piece of information. (laughs) The guy who's dating Kim Kardashian, the guy who's on SNL, he was supposed to go into space and I guess his schedule didn't accommodate going last week. And so because of Pete Davidson, all of these people had to reorganize their schedules, including a rocket launch 
to accommodate <laughs> for him. And I guess maybe there were some other A-listers going that could, couldn't make it that week or something like that. And then he ended up not even going. And this affected our life because we were losing servers for our events for this rocket launch that had gotten postponed a week because of Pete Davidson, who's not even going into space. And is that the wackiest L.A. shit you've ever heard in your life? The, the idea that like someone's life would be sufficiently important that um, a celebrity's mm-hmm. life and schedule yes. would be sufficiently important that it delays the space yes. space mission. That's correct. Yep. Like if you if you told us that this sort of thing back like 25 years ago, we would have just been what, what are you talking right. about? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I do you think do you think when Pete Davison was a little kid, you know, he was like fishing with his grandpa. Uh-huh. And 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 his grandpa was like after they cast the reels out, they sit there for a while uh-huh. and his grandpa's like, Petey, I want I want you to promise me something. It would really make your grandpa proud if you grew up. And one day, you you stop the space shuttle from going into space. What, Grandpa? Just do it, Petey. <laughs> Just do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Isn't that? And he did yeah, it. He, he managed did, to. He did it. And here's the thing. Like, this was my dark thought. So, did you know that Pete Davidson's dad died in 9-11, like, in the World Trade Center? I probably would not have... <laughs> I'm glad I, I that story I, I made involve his grandpa and not his dad. <laughs> I'm really glad I... Oh, man. Then I thought, okay, well, Blue Origin is not... It's, this is not a NASA mission. This is space tourism, right? This is... They go in... Yeah, they go into near orbit. They come back down. They're not, they're not up there very yeah. long. Um, but then I thought, well, what if Pete Davidson narrowly, like, what if this is the rocket that blows up? I mean, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't. But what if it is, and then Pete Davidson narrowly escaped, you know, dying in space, or on his way to space, rather. And then what if, what if that happens, and what if he's just, like, surrounded by terrible explosions in his life? Do you know what I mean? Like, what if he's just kind of connect? What if he's just narrowly avoiding terrible tragedies? Yeah, I mean, as as much as we'd like to interpret it as meaning like, oh, I'm I'm invincible, right. like, like things can't touch me. They just they you know I avoid them. I imagine actually what he would be probably experiencing is some form of like survivor's guilt or or something. Right. Like, yeah, it's like nine eleven took my dad. Then, yeah, and then. So that, that whoever was on the space shuttle, you know, they got blown up instead of me. Why, why, why are you punishing everyone but me, God? Why? Yeah, that's totally how Pete Davidson sounds like, too, by the way. That was a <laughs> I, dead-ass I, impression. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it was only it was only such a good impersonation because I literally have no idea what pete davidson sounds like so yeah i just i just i just threw out a, a, a voice there that i just tried to make sound like not me just nailing and it nailing it excellent excellent thank you yeah you're welcome i yeah yeah so, i mean it's a hell of a butterfly effect though pete davidson's schedule changes therefore the rocket launch gets moved therefore we have to restaff our event and it gets stressful for us what right so, like, the staff for these events, uh-huh. like, I mean, these, these they must, I mean, they're going out to, if she's, this person's going out to Texas mm-hmm. to, I mean, I'm assuming they're, they're getting rewarded pretty, yeah. oh, I mean, yeah. a lot more than just, like, you know, the servers at, at yes. a Reno buffet. Definitely. Uh. Most definitely. Yeah. I see. Yeah. They're, uh, they're doing okay. It's nice work if you can get it. Yeah. You know? How to describe it? It's it's like they're they're Ronin. Yeah, they are Ronin. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of <laughs> speaking of feudal Japan, yeah. Speaking of feudal uh, Japan, let's 
Let's go to Anchorage, Alaska <laughs> with our first segment. <laughs> so this is Unsolved Mysteries Season 6, Episode 2. Now, the interesting thing about this segment, Crystal, is um, did you notice what the category was for this segment? I did, and I had to rewind it because I thought maybe I misunderstood. I did, By too. the time I got to this, I did the, the end exact of the segment, same thing. Because I was like, what the hell? So this was a the unexplained type of segment? Yeah, which I get like that they probably had some difficulty trying to figure out what which category to put this in because it's mm-hmm. not wanted because no. they have the, they have the guy right. <laughs> um this is so far at least that i've seen the first occurrence or an unexplained segment does not actually involve anything paranormal or extraterrestrial mm-hmm. no or, or even anything spiritual yeah i was so i was so confused i got to the end of the segment i was like what and then i rewound it i was like i thought it started as the unexplained and it did start as the unexplained do you think maybe this was just like a difficult to categorize sort of thing i mean maybe or just like an editing typo or something oh no i don't think it was a typo i i fully see them like well you know they're like it's not wanted it's not lost love no it's not treasure. It's definitely not treasure. It's not Simed. Oh man. Simed. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, you know, we're trying to figure out what this guy's name is because we don't know what his name is. So it's it's unexplained. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. yes, I guess you know, I guess technically the literal meaning of the word does apply. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was very, very peculiar choice by unsolved mysteries. Um, uh, and it's not amnesia. I mean, I guess that would be the closest thing. Like who is this person? But we, the person doesn't have amnesia. He knows who he is. Anyway, if you haven't watched this segment, I guess I should, should proceed on with explaining what happened. So you know what the heck we're talking about. We should just end it here. That's it. Okay. End the segment. Connor, put the segue music on. No, uh, but seriously, um, the segment begins with a reenactment of a um, ATM replacement happening in a mall in Anchorage, Alaska. So, like, the security guard, he's inside the the room behind the ATM, uh, putting the money in. The... uh, the bank clerk she's out in the front reprogramming the atm and when she go go is done with that and is walking back in guy sticks a gun in in her back and you know proceeds to rob the uh uh the 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 shipment uh they noted that like he had this weird smile on his face um which uh, i guess uh like it 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 was conveying some sort of confidence or whatever Mm -hmm. uh there was some suspicion that there was a particular former guard, Jose Antonio Gonzalez. Although that's, as it turns out, that's not actually his name, but um, who was already being investigated for a similar type of robbery. And quite coincidentally, the po- like he, I guess he mailed some stuff off his, his, both his uh, earnings, so to speak. And, and his collection of guns, because we get this neat reenactment of the back of a, a postal office. They're, you know, they're loading boxes out of a van onto a cart. This one guy's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second here. And he, like, the top is, like, sort of split open. And he can see mm-hmm. a gun inside. Mm-hmm. And what what amazed me was, like, the tape job on this box is so flimsy. Mm-hmm. I'm genuinely shocked. Like, if I was a bank robber and I was mailing my incriminating evidence, <laughs> I would I would probably put a few more layers of tape around just to make sure it doesn't come undone, right? Well, at least depicted as depicted in the reenactment, right? Like, right. Interesting prop choice is all I'm saying. And so we get this neat little reenactment of, like, postal inspectors. You know, they get a warrant and they're, like, looking through his boxes and they're just pulling gun after gun out, like, oh. 38 loaded Glock loaded Beretta loaded. And then there's just like a bunch of cash underneath. 
we get this neat little reenactment of uh, Jose walking into a post office, um, I guess, to pick up his parcels. Maybe he was buying some stamps as well. Uh, I, I tried I tried really desperately to like keep my eye out for the background like do they have any things advertising stamps uh, didn't didn't really spot anything but they have this neat little reenactment of the of the apprehension and let me tell you when he's done putting his boxes into his trunk and all the different people who were, you know, undercover. Then, you know, they all take out their guns. And they're like, you know, hands in the air, postal inspectors. <laughs> I laughed so much. Like, can you imagine what it's like to be arrested by the post office? <laughs> you know, I, I heard something and I don't know if this is true. I failed to independently verify this. So if anybody wants to get at us with this that any federal agency can make an arrest. Really? So, so like the FDA can arrest you. The post office can arrest you. Um, oh. you know, the, uh, you know, cause generally just think about the FBI, the DEA. Yeah. That sort of thing. Like you, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, department of fish and game can definitely arrest you. Right. Yeah, well, I guess you're right. I guess, like, they probably all have their own law enforcement arms. Yeah. But still, I mean, <laughs> he got arrested by the post office. <laughs> you picked the wrong government employees to mess with! They, when they're interviewing the, some of the, the U.S. Marshals uh, for this segment, they're talking about, like, when they when they brought him in and, you know, he'd been booked and whatnot... He was actually amazingly cooperative. Like he was just like, yeah, here you go. Here's, here's everything about me. But as it turned out, <laughs> it was, I guess, mostly BS. Uh, Cause um, they're like, Oh, okay, good. He has a social security number. Oh wait, he has multiple social security numbers. <laughs> and I don't know. I got the, like, I mean, obvi- the, the, the crux of this segment is this guy created like no, at the at the time of the air of this segment, no one knows who he is. He just created he had this entirely fake identity. And they couldn't figure out who he was. And my favorite is just sort of contemplating like I he it seems like he sort of created this all in advance. And you know, ha, like cause they said like he, he seemed to have an answer ready for every question they asked. So he obviously mm-hmm. put some time in into like preparing for for this contingency. And my favorite moment is in the uh, in the interview when the one uh, guy asked asked uh, Jose like, you know, if he had any military experience, and he was like, "Yes." Well, what branch? French Foreign Legion. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like he was. He thought he thought of that ahead of time. He's like, you know, that would be a really fun one to throw out there. <laughs> um, yeah, he did. He did some time in Chad. Yeah, yeah, he said Chad. That. He served uh, a veteran yeah. of Chad. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, like, I guess as as he as he's in prison, they 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 just they they started to discover all sorts of things like him. Like who he, um, he could speak in English. Spanish, mm-hmm. French, and what they describe as some type of Croatian dialect, <laughs> which, I, to be fair, is like if I uh, the the language situation in the Balkans is always complex. So, as everyone knows, exactly. Uh, yeah. So they have no idea who he is, and some of the cl- uh, clues they. Some of the clues or hopes for more information they have involve two women, uh, both uh, showing up to try to claim his car. <laughs> one, <laughs> <laughs> the first one is uh, I think she's uh, she's French, and she shows up in the little office and she's like, "I'm here to pick up, 
you know, Jose's car and they're like, okay, well, you need a thing from his lawyer saying you're, you're authorized to do that. And she's like, what? I don't understand. Jose asked me to come pick up his car. And the guy is like, mm-hmm. yeah, and you need the thing signed from his lawyer saying you can do that. And then she just like, Ugh, and leaves in disgust. I guess, um, you know, she, she she's the person who would, I don't know how they know this, but that she would pick up all of his fake IDs and stuff. They have a little reenactment of her mm-hmm. <laughs> meeting someone who looks like he's like, some retired dentist <laughs> out mm-hmm. out out for you know to, out on his way to eat lunch in a, in a cafe somewhere who does a little handoff <laughs> with her then we have a another lady who is mentioned and they introduce her in a very interesting manner and i don't know if you caught this or not but mm. uh cuz i guess I guess they didn't actually have like actual pictures for either of these women, right? Is that the unexplained <laughs> part of this? Um, well, I mean, I guess I guess you could bundle it up with like who is this Jose guy's real name? When they're introducing the second woman, uh, they start out with like, oh, you're like, oh, oh, here's a black and white picture of her for, uh, from a distance, right? But no, it's just it's a black and white freeze on the the start of the segment where the reen actress playing her <laughs> is introduced, and it's like oh, I, I saw that. I was like, I guess they didn't have a picture for for this gal either. She's actually able to pick up the car. I guess she has the the paperwork, but because they know, uh, know that she's going to be picking it up. They, they have this subpoena ready for her. They have it in the hands of like the lot clerk. And I thought this was actually, I really got a lot of amusement out of this. Cause like, you know, she's like, oh, okay. She's got the keys. She's, you know, she's seated in the car. Like it's all going, you know, great for her. And the lot clerk's like, oh, wait a sec. Uh, you're uh Brenda something or whatever, right? And she's like, yeah. Oh, I have something here for, for you. And he hands her the, the envelope and, you know, she takes it because it's just like, oh, well, you know, you're buying you're, you're well, not buying. <laughs> She's picking up a car and she'll, she, she obviously like I f- felt like the Rena actress, you know, she really did did a good job of selling that like, oh, he's handing me, you know, the additional paperwork I need to take with me for this. And he's, she's like, what's this? Oh, that's a summons to appear before the grand jury. <laughs> and she like looks, uh, she just slams the door really angrily and drives off. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, we got a, a quick update. Uh, they, be, because of some viewer, and that's all we know about how, what the, how, how they got the mystery solved. Jose Antonio Gonzalez's real name is Milorad Zvkovic. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, unsurprised. I'm not even going to try to help, help you with yeah. that one. <laughs> he was, um, unshockingly unsh- enough, he was a Yugoslavia national who was raised in France. What the hell? Yeah, um, yeah so... He um, and then t- neither the l- ladies, I guess, I don't know, I guess they got in contact with them or whatever, and neither of them was charged in any, any wrongdoing. Uh, and after serving eight years in prison, uh, he was deported to France. So, um, huh. even though he was a Yugoslav, well, well, well he, he was a Yugoslav national, but I guess he he uh, he grew up in France or something. So he must have maybe okay. maybe his family moved there when he was a kid or or whatever. Uh, or maybe I don't know. Um, no, I guess I guess the the Bosnian War was over by this point. Well, well over. So, um, yeah. So there's there there's that segment, Crystal. I I enjoyed it. Did you? I you know um, it was something. <laughs> it was definitely a thing. Well. Yeah, it happened. Yep. 
Well, do you want to talk about something that may or may not have happened (laughs) with with an actual unexplained segment? So this started. So this show started in Anchorage, and now we're going to swing over to uh, Tasmania, I believe. Um, Well, well, that that was the eventual. I guess the eventual destination for the flight. Um, Right. I guess we didn't make it to Tasmania, did we? Cape Oatway, Australia? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe our friend Purple Worm can chime in on that and let us know if uh, I got that one right. Um, maybe Purple Worm has even heard of the story. Maybe this is like serious Australian lore. Yeah. They, or maybe it's just some kooky whatever. Yeah. You know? this. I mean, being someone who consumed a lot of UFO material in elementary and middle school. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't distinctly recall this one. A uh, guy flying from like South of Melbourne, you know, across the bass Strait, which to me mm-hmm. sounds like it belongs in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So here's the deal. Fre- Frederick Valentik uh, or Valentik. Valentic? Yeah. Whatever. Um, This all went down in 1978. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things I noticed, though, is sort of the X-Filean film quality of this segment. I don't know if you noticed that, but it felt like a very early X-Files episode, just in the special effects they were using. Yeah. Um, And I guess it probably, the air date of this was like 93, so we're right, right in that spot time right right um i remember in our last episode that we recorded we also talked about the x-files so I'm, i don't want to belabor the point too much but we're we're really overlapping with like early era x-files and and i feel like it, it has that feeling uh that sort of quality to it that certain i don't know what that gave the x-files the feeling that it had so it's funny you mentioned that, like, especially when the guy was in the uh, when they were when they were when they're showing when they're showing the the guy down on w- w- in front of the radar. Yeah, the guy in the tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the yeah. The, the, the the not the film quality, but the graininess or, or, or the lighting. It just it it's funny mm. you mentioned this because it did. It does look like the sort of lighting you expect in an x-files episode yeah it really really looked like one yeah. like the the like the hot open cold right. open the cold open of an x-files episode so what happens is uh Fed- frederick uh he was trying to get his flight hours in um because he wanted to be a commercial pilot did i mention this happened all the way back in 1978 i think oh it wow did. okay and so he takes off uh, from a airport near Melbourne in a Cessna. So that's, you know, your regular single prop engine plane mm-hmm. um, with the propeller on the front, which I have flown. I was going to just about to ask, <laughs> was that the one you flew? It, it, yeah, I flew a newer version, but yeah, basically well, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah, of course. same yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, so the idea was that Frederick was going to fly towards uh towards tasmania um or i guess towards king island which is near to i don't know like who cares it doesn't matter uh anyway (laughs) uh not a new route to him he'd done it many times before and um so as as he started across the water he sees what he describes as a ufo and so the reenactment is like really we get some primo australian accents (laughs) we do like they do I don't feel like they hired American actors and told them to do Australian accents. They went and found some Aussies for this one. Yeah. In fact, I don't know about you, but when I was watching this segment, the guy down in the the tower Mm -hmm. kind of looked, you know, slightly. He kind of slightly Mm -hmm. looked like Sam Neill to me. (laughs) Interesting. He had had a slight Sam Neill look. Um, so I was like, like, yeah, they they went out and they were trying to find some genuine Aussies. Well, they nailed it. Yeah. The so the object that Frederick sees uh, has the same zoom zoomy quality that apparently uh, all of these you know Air Force pilots keep talking about. Just things moving at impossible uh, 
speeds. Right. So he describes it as, and it's really emphasized in the reenactment. It's very green and oblong. Yeah. At least in the at least in the reenactment, it kind of seems like maybe part of the reason we never see Frederick ever again because he disappears in his plane. Yeah. Um. After after telling the t- the guy in the tower that he's seeing these this green light kind of chasing him or playing some sort of game, um, and then it disappears. And it returns from the southwest. At that point, Frederick describes his engines as starting to malfunction. Um, and the last thing that Frederick said to the air traffic controller, he said, it's hovering and it's not an aircraft. And then the air traffic controller hears several, like, clicking noises and then no more noises. And then Frederick was never seen or heard from again. No wreckage of the plane. Nothing. Nothing. Scary shit. Scary shit. Okay. So, all right. Maybe he was kind of an inexperienced pilot. Maybe him looking all around and freaking out about this green, you know, could have been like a solar flare or like the Australis Borealis. Here's a thought that came to my mind. You know that book, Chariot of Mm -hmm. the Gods, that tries, that claims that human civilization was created by aliens? Yes. I haven't read it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, neither have I. Please don't read it. Definitely racist. This recent account, and like you say, so many others of just these like descriptions of these lights moving at impossible speeds that are just confounding, confounding us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw out the uh, just just a just a little suggestion. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe not. Laser pointers of the gods. Are we are we just the equivalent of the cats that like aliens mm. are just shining this light around <laughs> like oh look at look at them they're they're going after it mm-hmm. <laughs> like our, our I think that's as good as explanation as anything yeah frankly our, our f thirty fives are cats for them and they're just like oh look at it it's going after it uh, now let's let, yeah. let's let's see what it what it does if we just wind it around and then now it's behind it anyway just throwing it out there. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, okay. So Frederick's gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now there, the, the reason I believe that this made it into unsolved mysteries as a full blown segment is because there are a couple of eyewitness accounts to kind of corroborate what had happened. Yeah. So we get uh, a family. They have a really awesome, like off-roader, it looks like an old uh, Toyota 4Runner or Highlander or something. Very cool Jeep type. It's a robust looking vehicle. I kind of feel like maybe they went a little too stereotypical. Like they found something yeah. like, what would someone out in the outback be driving? And it's like. Right. This, yeah. This, this, this family looks more like they should just be in a conventional minivan of the time. <laughs> But but it's still but it's yeah, still an just awesome a compact vehicle. Hmm? Yeah, it, it's still it's still yeah. an awesome vehicle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we get this reenactment of this family seeing over the sea, uh, this green, the same green light, and then Frederick's plane. So they're they're seeing this as he's he's flying over. Um, I don't remember if this was the same family or a totally different guy, but there happened to be a guy named Ray Roy Manifold who had been taking photos of the sunset mm-hmm. um, at, at that area of the sea or Cape Otway or Otway. Um, and he was just taking pictures of the sunset as you do classic human pastime. Yeah. Uh, and uh he got his film developed, and about six weeks later, he noticed what he thought was a developing error, and there is a sort of, I want to say, bean-shaped shadow in the uh, area where Roy said he saw this sort of weird anomaly in the sunset. You know, to me, it looks like it was just dirt on the negative. Entirely you know? plausible. Um but apparently it's not. It's been independently examined. There was no dirt on the negative. And uh, so, you know, there's nothing wrong with the emulsion or the development of the negative. So there's sort of these like three corroborating things. There's what the air traffic controller heard. Uh, there's what the family saw. And then there's this photograph. And Frederick has been declared legally dead. 
No trace of the plane has ever been found. Yeah. Uh, this is one segment where I'm done watching it and I'm like, big UFOs might be real. This isn't just like someone going into their like hypnotist to try to like quit smoking and they walk out thinking that they've been abduct, abduct, abducted by aliens or yeah. or that their or that their daycare when they were a kid was run by Satanists who were sacrificing children on a weekly basis. Um, actually, it's been a while since we've had a satanic panic themed segment yeah i think by 93 we weren't panicking about satan anymore we just embraced him <laughs> as our dark lord at that yeah point. yeah <laughs> uh, um i don't know uh yeah we so you so you think ufos are real you think that's what's, ha- what's happening here well i mean he was describing this ball of green light that was flying all over the place right but on the other hand that far south it may have been you know, the the bore, borealis up north we call it the aurora oh. borealis. I know it's Australia's borealis or austral austral borealis oh, down okay. south. You know, and that often throws green lights, fluctuating green lights around in unexpected ways. Um, but I also feel like when I'm saying that, I feel like I'm a man in black, and I'm just saying what you <laughs> saw was the borealis. You know, so I, to be fair, Crystal, I, I did I did just briefly look at the wikipedia because i was trying to track down the um no it's aurora australis aurora australis okay aurora is the the The, the the name uh, there's like australians screaming at me right now i can feel them sorry our 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 great australian (laughs) listeners um we did not mean yeah. to. Can I get at least points for knowing that you also have this phenomenon in the southern I hemisphere? Can I? At least I didn't know that. Be credited for knowing that that. Happens? I didn't know that until until you just said it while we were recording this segment. And I just want to reiterate, we love our Australian listeners. Um, we love we love them. I, I I love Tim Tams. Those are a delicious chocolate oh, treat. Hey guys, in Australia. I've never had a Tim Tam. It sounds wonderful. Please send us. Some. Yeah, and a jar of Vegemite. I don't. I'm not. I don't know about that. I don't know. If uh, that that's for that me. One. That's but, for me. You can. You can. Add, you, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> send Robbie the Vegemite and the Tim Tams. I only want the Tim Tams. And if I swear to you, if you email us and say we'll, I will send you Tim Tams. I will give you my home address. The, <laughs> you can send those right on to me. Yeah. It's. It's. It's a. It's. Yeah, I mean, just like, I I don't even know how to describe the deliciousness that it is. It, it's um. I I've only heard good chocolate things. wedged in between chocolate covered with chocolate. That's yeah. Yeah. Do you? I don't. But there's like a coffee element to it. Is my understanding? There's like a bit of a coffee flavor. There. Um, I, I don't know. I think that might be like they come in different. I, I think there's different flavors, mm. so that might be. The one I had just was like it was basically like a you know thing of chocolate, you know, filling wedged in between two chocolate cubby c- cookies and then covered yeah. with chocolate. Um, and it just, wow. I mean, it tasted like what you'd expect a chocolate cookie with like you know that all that other stuff to taste like. Um, yeah. yeah. Um. Robbie, this is this is on topic of Tim Tams, but it just made me think about how, you know, if you, I, I don't know when you were in Australia, if you ever visited the grocery store and if there was some kind of American section. <laughs> I was curious. Um, I didn't really have I didn't have the opportunity to, tr- to truly explore a, you know, a a proper grocery store. Uh, mind you Mm. uh but i did i did uh when i was eating at the hard rock cafe in in australia (laughs) this this Uh was just uh, it was a it was a short distance from where the convention was um i did notice when i wait why were you in australia again remind me what were you doing in australia oh um god this is gonna be fucking embarrassing uh so i was more embarrassing than this podcast (laughs) touche uh uh, a convention uh for you know you know it's a a, a sci-fi convention um 
Uh-huh. I, was it like specifically themed as anything? Um, no. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't like, I don't, th- it wasn't like, um, God, I, I don't, I have to dig out my stuff. I don't even remember if it had like a specific, like, I, you know, like how in the United States, you know, we, you know, we have Comic Con down in San Diego and then Dragon Con mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't, um, yeah. I was just there for like particular, like rare to get autographs. Um, so. Yeah. And for the Tim Tams. And for the Tim Tams. I, I actually, <laughs> I did stuff. A, a suitcase full of, of, of a variety of them <laughs> when, when mm-hmm. I was returning back to the States. Wonderful. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, I, I really felt like when I was going through customs uh, uh, in LA, LA, like, do you have anything to declare? <laughs> well, I don't think they said that literally, but I was like, uh, in my mm-hmm. mind, I can't... <laughs> <laughs> I, I in my mind I was like kind of pretending like oh I'm like a drug smuggler only instead of drugs I'm smuggling Tim Tams. Is Tim Tams? <laughs> wonder I wonder what the legal limit on Tim Tams is uh, for re-entering the United States. Gosh, I don't know if it's done by quantity or dollar value. <laughs> 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 probably that's it's, it's that's probably it's probably one or the other, right? Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, in conclusion, we love Australia. I've been to your country. Yes. Um, I've not. Yeah, I've not been to your country. The no. um convention place thing that I was in was very nice. And mm-hmm. um, so was the little market on a corner where I got my uh, supplemented my my food stuff. Um, mm-hmm. This was the this was also the first occasion where I had vinegar on for, uh, for well, I can't say it, on chips. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's a tasty yeah, treat. Yeah, I was like, wow, I can... I, yeah. I, I was like, damn, this this really makes these things, like, delicious. Screw ketchup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a vinegar on, on French fries guy net from now on. You're a vinegar man. Yeah. I, now, now I, now I, now I wow. never actually followed through with that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it did leave an imp- a memorable impression on me. Um. I'm I'm wondering again maybe Purple Worm can uh, chime in here any of our other Australian listeners um, you know one of my favorite things to do when I go to another country or even when I go to an international grocery store in the United States is check out the snack section yeah. and see what I'm missing out on because here is my maybe unpopular opinion I feel like a ma- mainstream American snacks and by those I mean the ones made by Nabisco and Frito Lay and stuff are not good. <laughs> We're definitely shortchanged. And they're either too salt, they're too something. All American snacks are too sweet, they're too salty, they're too something. I don't enjoy most of them. I'm not a chips person. Um, You know, I can get down on Chips Ahoy from time to time. Oreos are not allowed in the house. But uh, I am wondering, when you folks go to the, because I've been to Britain and... um, when I went to the American part of like the Sainsbury's or whatever, there was like a couple of key items there that were American. And one of those was Pop-Tarts, peanut butter, uh, Oreo cookies, yeah. uh, Doritos, cool, cool ranch Doritos. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, it's just some of those things and not anything I'm terribly interested in. And um, I'm, I'm just wondering like, you know, when, you guys in other countries have an, you know, like an American expat little aisle or shelf in your grocery store. You know, what is it? What's it filled with? I would really like to know. And if you want to tweet at us or email us that information, I would absolutely love to know. You know and I never actually answered because uh, you asked me the question and I rambled on uh-huh. for five or ten minutes. Um, uh-huh. I, I, I didn't check out a uh, I didn't stumble across an American section in the grocery store. But what I did notice when I was eating at the hard rock cafe, (laughs) 
um, yeah. was uh, sorry. No, <laughs> lost that. No, thread. no, no. It's funny, and it's fine because you know you're understandably curious why the hell I was in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I thought I showed you my book of autographs and stuff. Anyway, I have yes, yeah. you have. I have yeah. seen that. Yeah. There, there were there were like some people at like there that um were like the, you know like like with shows and stuff not everyone is on the autograph circuit right and there were there were like a couple of people that were like amongst the sort of like perceived like unattainables like that person never does conventions and they're going to be there like i mean i mean you know you I mean, you're going to have a billion opportunities to get Billy D. Williams autograph, but mm-hmm. like, there, right. there were just a couple of folks like, really? So I had to go. I had to go. Um, anyway, when I was in the Hard Rock Cafe, I was waiting for my hamburger. I was looking at the little, you know, basket of condiment stuff and, you know, they had ketchup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I picked up the mustard container and you know what it said? American what? mustard. And and it was the ye- it was like the yellow it's, kind. Yeah, it was the stand the bright yellow the standard kind? yellow mustard. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I have follow up question as to what non other what kind of yeah American mustard is. Yeah. If I if I if I'm going to a barbecue or or a cookout, whatever you call it in Australia, and I'm I've got my. Uh, my hot dog. You know, what am I picking up to put on that hot dog? Yeah. Because I feel like Heinz ketchup, I wouldn't put that on my hot dog anyway. That doesn't belong on a hot dog. But, like, what kind of mustard? Or am I spreading Vegemite on a bun? What am I doing with my hot dog in Australia? Yes. Give us these answers, please. <laughs> anyone chime in i just realized we spent the last 10 minutes talking about australian yeah snacks. yeah so anyway um, this this poor guy he's um they end this segment yeah. robert stacks like he's either at the bottom of the bass strait or perhaps mm-hmm. far from our planet light years yeah yeah he got beamed out. yeah our next segment which is a missing persons um, uh-huh. it starts out in the Car- Carolinas, South Carolina. Uh, these two cops, they're, you know, s- seated in their car. This car comes zooming by really fast on a dark, you know, this is a dark night. So they turn on the lights and, uh, pull them over. And, <clears throat> you know, uh, the, there's like three individuals in the car, two in the front seats and one in the back. And they're they're very unresponsive. Like you, like the the cop they're interviewing, you know, he, he very much got the impression like, oh, these guys don't really speak English, right? It takes their their the registration, and yeah, they they silently hand it to him, and uh, they they the two guys in the front seat. Um, they they give this impression that like the re I'm talking about the reenactors here. They're giving a performance that you can read as either like oh they're not comprehending or oh these guys are scared right. So then the the um, guy in the back seat when the cops like hey can I see your your things? Uh, he like. It was very interesting. My subtitles said speaking Spanish, which mm-hmm. is an interesting choice because as we find out um, later, uh, these two individuals, because, um, you know, the guy runs, runs the stuff, comes back. is like, hey, OK, you know, try uh, try to be at bay the, the speed limit in the you know, next time. And we we cut to him eating his breakfast the next morning. And he opens up the newspaper and like one of the articles is um, French sailors vanish. And it's the two guys from the front seat. Uh, so 
uh, we have um, Yi and Laurent. Eve. Eve. Eve Emmanuel. Eve Emmanuel. And Laurent. Laurent. Um, yeah. I just realized this episode's very heavy on foreign languages and accents. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> uh, uh, not only was last segment a bunch of people with Australian accents, but like the um, uh, Vincent is the, the guy who was finding the plane. Jose. His father had Frederick. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Frederick was the guy. Oh, flying Frederick. The plane. Okay. Uh, his father had this weird accent. Did you notice it? It didn't sound Australian. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I was like, "Yeah." Do, do Do you have any read on where where that accent's from? Uh, t- Tasmania. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, well, that could very well be. Anyway, uh, we're not talking about exits. We're talking about uh, unsolved mysteries. Um, so th- like these two French guys. They were they were hired to sail a boat down uh, the coast of America, eventually ending in the um, uh, Guadalupe, um, which looks like it's mm-hmm. right at the end of all those chains of islands down there in the Caribbean. Um, yeah. And so, like, the thing is, is they disappeared during this during this thing, the, the, this, this journey, mm-hmm. uh, very similar to how Pierre Kirby disappeared. Uh, Pierre Kirby is this, um, uh, f- was, th- he was this French action movie. I hesitate to use the term actor. <laughs> Cause uh-huh. it was more of a martial artist <laughs> in a movie okay. situation. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, he did like like a dozen movies in Hong Kong or something, and like okay. his 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 work is his is the real meat of his uh, uh, income was in between that he would sail boats uh, around uh, Asia, you know, uh, doing the same thing. Like some rich guys, like I want my yacht down in you know Singapore or whatever, mm-hmm. and he would you know sell yeah. the boat. I guess he di- he allegedly disappeared while doing this at some point. Um, I'll send I'll send you a clip uh, uh, of Pierre Kirby action. <laughs> I have no context for this. Yeah, I'm so, sorry. no, it's what? fine. Anyway, um, so they they had disappeared. Uh, we get a little re- reenactment of their friends looking for them. Um, uh, like, and it, it's fun when they first show up because like it's a guy and a gal, and the gal has magnifying glasses. <laughs> <laughs> hanging from her neck <laughs> while they're going around h- handing out um uh you know like little flyers like at at the docks like hey have you seen have you seen these people or seen this this boat and i'm one like i i'm assuming like the whoever's in charge of costuming the two two actors was like okay the here here's the context of what they're they're out looking for their friend Okay, who disappeared at sea, mm-hmm. and maybe that was the only thing the costume head of costumes was told. Is like, well, okay, well, they're probably gonna want magnifying glasses to look out at the ocean. <laughs> anyway, so they eventually talk with someone who um, had seen the boat because th- they really talk up this boat. Like, it's apparently like this top of the line, super futuristic thing that is unsinkable. Um, which seems like a, a pretty bold claim, but he was like, yeah, I see, I seen this boat. They came through here whenever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and there were three, uh, yeah, those guys were on there and there was a third person. And so we're like, Oh, what's going on here? Did they, did these two guys get kidnapped? Um, was this third person like, you know, he, he 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 made his way on the boat. He made like he made them sail uh sail them uh down somewhere, and then he disposed of them. Uh, or did was the or another 
thing thrown out was that these two guys decide they're going to they're going to steal the boat. Like this guy was like their criminal connection to like getting this boat taken to some boat chop shop or something. I don't know. Hmm. Um, they're they're uh, Eve's friends are very much uh, object to this to this notion. Are like no no he would never do that. Um, the and I don't know about you, but like the person they have doing the interpreting for for the friend, like he makes the friend seem very very um very well educated and impressive like the 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 choice of vocabulary is just like you know just anyway uh so (laughs) that's that's all there (laughs) that's all there is to this segment actually i'm afraid um Mm -hmm. Because they don't know whether what happened. I wonder if there's some, and if only there was some way to find out. Running Wikipedia list of Frenchmen disappeared at sea, <laughs> including your um, was it Jacques Kirby? Is that what yeah. you said his name was? Pierre Kirby, yeah. Um, Pierre Kirby. Uh, yeah. A list of Frenchmen who disappeared at sea. I, if if uh, if if you're a listener of the program and if you've come across any such uh, a list online. A mm-hmm. Wikipedia article or whatnot. Do let us know. Yeah, because there's no way for me to find out otherwise if that exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I like I like making the listeners do the work for us. Frankly, uh, let me tell you. Okay. I beats well, the heck out of doing any work myself. Yep. So listen, this last segment uh, doesn't have any weird accents. Uh, not that Australian accents are weird. We love yeah. you, but it doesn't have any um, non-American accents, I mm-hmm. should say. Uh, so another peek behind the scenes of reenact- the reenacted podcast is that beforehand, Robbie and I kind of divvy up the segments of like, who's going to, we both talk about all of the segments, but you know, who's really going to take the lead Yeah. on each segment. And I, Wanted to take the lead on this one. Um, so this took place on June 30th, 1991 in Galesburg, Illinois. Uh, not because necessarily of the plot or the case itself, but because of some interesting factoids <laughs> therein. Oh. And some characters that we meet. So um, here's uh, the, the long and short of it is uh, also trigger warning I'm going to talk about suicide if you don't want to hear about it you fast forward about 10 minutes yeah and uh so larry and lois williams arrived at their 23 year old son danny's house in galesburg illinois and um they hadn't heard from him in a couple of days and also i think importantly to the story that danny worked for larry's company so i'm not sure if it's because he hadn't shown up to work or if this was over the weekend or what but uh, Larry goes goes into the house through the back door, and he finds his son um, dead on the living room couch. I like, if uh, I may just briefly interrupt, I like I like how he described how he went in there, and he was like saying it as you know, saying it was him loudly so that his son would hear him. He's like, because yeah. you know, I didn't want to, yeah. you know, he had a gun in the house, and I didn't want a situation where he'd right. wake up and shoot his dad, dad. I was like the way he said it was like, like you know, he's like I didn't, I don't want, I don't want my son to to have to deal with that. Like that's mighty, mighty considerate of you, Larry. Yeah, to- yeah. yeah, you should if you know that there's a gun in the house, you should definitely announce yourself. Uh, yeah, and also, you know, his dad very sadly said that he saw Danny on the couch mm-hmm. and thought, you know, don't let it be what it looks like, and of course it was. So Danny had been shot to death. Um, there was a gun in his lap. Um, so, first of all, let's talk about this. He works for his family's company, and he had recently bought his own house at the age of 23. Like, let's just, like, let that early 90s nostalgia just sink in a little bit. <coughs> yeah. Bless you. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to trying to do that away from the... Anyway, continue, because I am very much interested in this topic. Yeah, twenty three years old just bought his first house. Okay, just 
Well, it helps when when you're All working right. a job for a yeah. When you're working for your family's multi-million-dollar apparel yeah. manufacturing company. But still, yeah, tw- twenty twenty twenty-three distribution his own house. Yeah, I, I I'm well yeah. I'm well aware of of the the, the comparison <laughs> the vast gulf between between Danny and myself at the moment. <laughs> yeah, let's just think about that okay so the police rule that danny's uh death is a suicide and by uh for all intents and purposes that's kind of just what it looks like um the conjecture here is that you know of course you know why would he have committed suicide first question the second question is they try to recreate the angle at which the so the gunshot was in the uh, as, as depicted in the reenactment anyway the gunshot was in the front of his uh forehead with an exit wound and then another bullet hole behind his head in the paneling of the wall. Yeah. Um, I guess the, uh, his dad who found him expected to see a lot more blood and gore in the scene. There was barely any blood on the wall behind him or in the eggs in the, um, there was no blood in the hole, uh, the bullet hole in the wall. So I, I, I guess, you know, but to the, to the cops credit, they're like, Hey, this isn't a movie. Things aren't as bloody as they seem. And I think of, you know, a, a forensic, uh, forensics person, an actual one would tell you, you know, it's with that caliber of gun, it's going to be a pretty clean exit wound. Most of the blood is going to pool in your skull. It's not going to go blow out the back of your head. It's a pretty limited blood loss. With that type of gunshot. Yeah. Anyway. And then there's a lot of conjecture about this, that, and the other thing about they found some blood, uh, Danny's blood on his pants and then another type of blood on the pants. And then like the cops are going back and forth with this like serumologist or blood expert or whatever. There's like all this talking head stuff going back and forth. Um, The thing that really blew my mind, though, is that they interview the neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, God, what was her name? I really wish I'd written it down when I was watching this. Uh, She, she's like, well, I shouldn't be saying this or admitting to it, but I am a nosy. (laughs) I watch everybody's business. And I can tell you that there was a, and then she gave a very, very detailed description of a woman that she saw drive up in a car with Danny, like, I don't know, two days oh, before. Oh, and Dar- Darlene Sayers is her name, I think. Thank yeah. you. Darlene Sayers. Bless her yeah. heart. She is, she's like, I watch everybody and what they're doing. And I was like, you know what? That might seem annoying at first to have that kind of neighbor. But right now, it seems like pretty useful. And she had seen Danny pull up uh, to his house earlier that day. I guess it wasn't even two days ahead of time. It was just like the previous morning. And there was an older woman in the car with dark hair. Um, again, several witnesses saw activity at Danny's house uh, after a day after his death. People looking in the windows. There was people that had been got out of the car with him. Uh, two guys who'd gotten out of the car. So it just seems there's been a lot of activity around his house right before he died and then immediately afterwards. Yeah. Um, coupled with they weren't uh, some forensics people that were hired were not able to recreate how at the angle of the gunshot and then the exit wound and then the hole in the wall, how that could have possibly been self-inflicted. Yes. Yes. I'll... So we're left with a lot of questions, um, but yeah, there's just like a lot, of, a lot of back and forth between like, you know, the police saying, you know, the, the crime scene got pretty mucked up immediately after his death because we didn't think there was anything to investigate. So when, you know, uh, these people went back and tried to pull blood samples out of the rug, you know, we don't know how long it had been there. Mm-hmm. It could have been prior to Danny buying the house, the traces of blood that, you know, we don't know. Yeah. And, um. So, anyway, uh, the update here is that Danny's death uh, could not be classified as a suicide or a homicide. And it's just listed as uncertain. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, real highlight here was the neighbor. I right. Thought. You know, and they were talking about how, like, the, the authorities were saying, oh, well, the neighbor, you know, she was just confusing Friday with Saturday. 
And I would find that mm-hmm. very plausible in like 99% of uh, uh, cases. But if this mm-hmm. neighbor is really that no- nosy and is like studying her mm-hmm. neighbor, everyone in the neighborhood that much, I I kind of believe she, she knew exactly what day this happened. You know, uh, she, you know, she, she, she keeps track of that stuff. <laughs> Definitely. She probably went and wrote it on her calendar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why shouldn't she bring that calendar out? That would be really useful. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie, have you ever, have you ever met a Darlene Sayers, a real neighborhood busybody? Yeah. You know, the thing is, is like the kind of neighborhoods I've lived in. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not like your standard suburban type neighborhoods. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like, I mean, you, I mean, you've been, you, you're out to my pl- old place on North Rainbow. I mean, mm-hmm. like there's, we're talking like two, three acre lots. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you? Uh, No. I mean, I feel like I do now, but I feel like everybody's just kind of keeping a general eye out in the neighborhood. Oh yeah, that's you know? well, that's good. And not yeah. not we don't have like the neighborhood th- that I know about. At least the gossip is not getting back to yes. me. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. All right. For all I know, I could be that person. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what if you are? What if you're the neighborhood busybody and you don't even know about yeah. it? Uh, Robbie, if people want to get in touch with us, how should they do that? Oh, well, uh, go to Patreon, either give us, uh, you know, there's a $5 tier or $1 tier. Either one's fine. Just give us money. Uh, reenacted pod at Twitter, uh, on Twitter or send us an email reenactedpod at gmail.com go on facebook there's uh facebook uh reenacted fans po- reenacted podcast fans uh sometimes i remember to post stuff in there it's all all very all very good and very online <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh i guess that's it for number what is this 103 102 i lost track yeah robbie do you want to do the thing Join me next time for this intriguing journey to the turn of the century Russia and more on Unsolved History.